Last week I preached a sermon on Christian resistance in the face of the tyranny being leveled against all Americans. The threat is real. That's why I speak. That's why I spoke about Christian resistance. The threat is real. As I told you from the beginning of this evil, first they want masking, then they will want you vaccinated, then they will demand you have a vaccine passport to work, travel, or do any shopping or business. And it is clear the next step is they will seize your children, put you in a quarantine camp, and split families apart. And as I've said from the beginning, you must not comply with any of what they're trying to accomplish. Tyranny is built plank by plank. Blithe compliance ensures our enslavement. Your compliance will not achieve getting back to normal, and you will have granted the state authority over what goes into your body and the bodies of your children and what does not. And if you get the shot, you are not only enslaving yourself, you're also enslaving all future generations. Ponder that. Your defiance to participate in this evil is massive. Understand, if you comply, you are selling tomorrow's freedom for today's convenience. This brought us to the concern about work in last week's sermon, losing your job because you refuse to get the shot. Most are weak and pathetic and will get the shot on that basis alone. But you must not. You must stand strong. You must demonstrate personal noncompliance. They are using the private sector to convince you to help you rationalize and justify getting the shot. I was strong in my denunciations last week about getting the shot so you don't lose your job. And I do not hedge one iota from those strong words. People need to be warned, and they must see the direness of the situation. But I do want to talk further about this matter of your job, because it is all a great evil. The move by the state and the corporations to make you get the shot is the founding of an all-encompassing totalitarianism of which the world has never seen. The technology these wicked men and the governments of men have at their disposal make this totalitarianism unique and a deadly threat to us all. And these tyrants are so brazen, they are even willing to attack the very created order of God regarding work. And you must stand against them. You must stand for Christ. Understand the attack by the state and the corporations upon work is an attack upon Christ. It is an attack upon God's law and word. It is an attack upon his very created order. So it is important that you do not curl up in a ball in the corner and submit and whine about losing your precious little job. It is important that you do not find succor from the false churchmen who tell you that you are bound in the sight of Christ based on Romans 13 to submit to all these evil decrees and machinations by the civil authorities. So let's open up in our text this morning to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, 
verse 15, and let's stand for the reading of God's word. The scripture reads, then the Lord took, pardon me, then the Lord God took the man, talking about Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. May God bless the reading of his word. The title of my sermon this morning is The Attack on Work by Governments and Corporations. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice in you and we thank you for this time that we have to talk about this important matter, the evil that is afoot in the land. And Lord, to look at what your word says in regards to the evil that they're trying to accomplish, what your word says about something they're trying to crush, men working. Lord, we know it is the means in part whereby you bring dominion in the earth. We know it's important to a man, defines him. It's important for the goodness of his person. And Lord, we just ask and pray that you would use this sermon for good for men to understand better the importance of work in our lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You could be seated. Yep. I want to begin by talking about dependency. We are all dependent on others to some extent. No man is an island unto himself. God has designed it for us to need one another and to live in some form of community. Put a man in solitary confinement and he will begin to lose his mind. Lone rangers tend to get weird. So dependency upon others is good to a certain extent. We need to work. We need to interact. God made us that way. But dependency is not good when it stifles you. When it prevents independent thought from having courage to act, to risk, to achieve. When you acquire an attitude of dependency, that can be a danger. It is not good for you as an individual when good guys are ruling, and it can be a death sentence when wicked men are ruling. Your dependency and conformity then becomes a massive liability. Your inability to think outside the box, to produce independent thought, to act courageously in the face of evil, to risk, to achieve, all becomes a massive liability. And I say all that to say this. It is not my job, nor anyone else's, to hold your hand and help you make each step to find a new job, a new means of work. Grow up. And I say it because I'm just astounded at how many people I've met and been contacted by, of course, from around the country, who put the onus on you like, you better help me do all this. And if you don't help me do all this, then I'm just going to get the shot. Okay. How are the governments and corporations attacking work? Title of my sermon, The Attack on Work by Governments and Corporations. How are they doing that? How are they attacking God's created order regarding work in two notable ways? Right now, number one, our government is teaching men not to work. And number two, the government and corporations are trying to make men unable to work. They're teaching men not to work, and they're trying to make men unable to work. Let's deal with the verse, teaching men not to work. 
Have you noticed there's hiring signs everywhere? I travel around the country. It is from coast to coast. Help wanted, hiring. We will give you $2,000, $2,500, $700. We'll give you free lunches for the rest of your life. Um, that's all been done by design. Wicked men have been destabilizing this nation for decades, but they have ramped it up on steroids over the last five years. The federal beast has bought men off. They have poured trillions into this takeover. You do understand that. And they have bought men off. They have bought off the businessmen with all their PPP money, bought off the schools and universities. The churchmen have even been bought off and took the money. That was an easy one, two-bit whores that most of them are. And they have bought off most workers. The workers now can get more money from the government, many of them, staying at home and not working. And they are. Hence the hiring signs everywhere. Places are not open or on limited hours because of a lack of workers. They are teaching men not to work, to be dependent on the state. And that is a great evil, which Christian men must speak against and do what we can to act against. They are teaching men not to work, and this is a great evil both for the individual and for society. God designed man to work. God hates laziness. The scriptures repeatedly speak against laziness and speaks well of productivity. The book of Proverbs alone speaks of sluggards and sloths, look that up if you don't know what they are, 15 times, always in a negative fashion. You know it's got to be negative, sluggard, sloth, okay? Nobody would want to be a sloth. In Proverbs 18.9, the scripture says, He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. Think of this. God compares a lazy man to a destroyer. And that is what these wicked government officials and businessmen are doing. They're destroying this nation. It is a plot that you would think you would only read in novels. So they're teaching men not to work and to be dependent upon the state. They're also making men unable to work or trying to make men unable to work, demanding you get a vaccine or you lose your job. It was interesting listening to the discussion this morning with people, what they've encountered with their employers, sitting there suddenly acting like theological inquisitors. Oh, do you really have this sincerely held religious belief? Prove it to us. Like they have even a scintilla of theological reference to determine whether it's right or wrong what you hold to. And as Jason said, it doesn't matter what you think anyway. Men fought, bled, and died for the First Amendment of our nation. <laughs> you know, I have this dearly held religion. Buzz off! And I could use stronger language. <laughs> Them demanding you get a vaccine or you lose your job? Where are the Republicans and Democrats? Why are they not protecting us from this evil? The Republicans who love to pay lip service to limited government and the Democrats who say they're for the little guy. Where are they? 
They're all busy aiding and abetting the evil and tyranny. That's where they're at. That's why there's none of them left on my email list or on my text list for here in the state of Wisconsin. Both parties have funded and politicized this great evil. Understand, no one is coming to save you. They are not going to protect you. Understand that. Where are the bills against vaccine mandates by employers? Some people are like, oh, well, you can't have mandates against employers. You can't allow them to have authority over private company. A private company can do whatever they want to do, Pastor Matt. They can say whatever they Bull! Do you know the fascist hell you live in? Every business in America, as soon as they put their shingle out, comes under a phalanx, a massive amount of law and regulation. It's a fascism where you get to keep your business or corporation in name, but they really rule. The government rules every inch of it. Most businessmen will tell you, it seems like our government wants you to fail, (laughs) to get knocked out of business. Every small businessman will tell you that. Corporations and others work like dogs with the government. So there's this massive law and regulation, and nearly every corporation and business in America has their hand in the government trough. Getting publicly collected tax money. Nearly all of them got all kinds of money during this planned, pretend pandemic. Massive amounts of money. So don't tell me about it's a private company. They can say and do whatever they want. Don't let people hide behind the nonsense of private companies. The governors and legislators must stand against this evil and protect the people from this attack on our liberties and freedoms, liberties and freedoms that men fought, bled, and died for us to possess. So where are the bills against vaccine mandates? And where are the bills against vaccine passports? Where are they? Republicans, Democrats, for the little guy. You must join with others, brothers and sisters. It is the people who must band together and protect themselves. If possible, join with lesser magistrates at the county and local level. You know, I wrote a book on the doctrine of lesser magistrates. I'm big on that. But not everybody has a lesser magistrate in their area. Thank God for those who do. And if you don't have one, you need to unseat the dogs that are in power there and put good men in their place. You have to actually do the trench work now. You don't get off with just a rally and, whew, that felt wonderful and I got a lot of good information and, poo, that was, wow. No, you better be doing the trench work. You got to unseat these dogs, these little petty tyrants at the county and local level because you need those governments to take a stand against the state and federal governments. It's extremely important that you do it. If possible, join with lesser magistrates at the county and local level who want to do right and make a stand of interposition against their evil. You may even be able to find a state government to join with as this plays out. Always better that way than a crowd of peasants on a busy corner. There was a great example of interposition this past week. Los Angeles Fire Department Captain Christian Granucci a 31-year veteran went, to, went public to protest COVID vaccine mandates. 
I don't know how many of you are familiar with this. doesn't seem like it's gotten around too much. He said in his 12-minute declaration of defiance against these mandates, as a magistrate, he said, I'm done being silent. He claims he represents hundreds who feel the same way in the fire department there in Los Angeles, that they are lawyered up. Only half of the 3,350 firefighters in Los Angeles County have taken one of the COVID shots. Only half. It was an impassioned plea. I will put it in the details section of this sermon. The detail box. I'll put it in there later. He said in his statement, quote, this tyranny stops right here, right now. I encourage you to watch it. It was an excellent 12-minute talk. The LA Times, you know, dogs that they are, put it in their paper and declared, quote, that LAFD anti-vaccine captain is free to quit. That's what they want you to do. Just turn up your tail and quit. Walk off the field of battle. Don't quit. I've told you that. Don't quit your job. Fight it to the bloody end. That, that's what the LA, LA Times are. Yeah, he's free to quit. Never quit. Make them fire you. The next day they ran a story that the captain is under investigation for stating what he said in his 12-minute talk. And yesterday they ran a story entitled, quote, L.A. Fire Captain is latest COVID villain for our readers, demonizing him to the public for taking a stand, making him a target, a bullseye target for whack jobs and for every government and corporate dog out there who wants to silence men like him. You should pray for him. He is doing what is needed and necessary when tyranny raises its ugly and evil head. He's speaking out. And so must you. You cannot sit idly by. You must speak when tyranny raises its evil and ugly head. He said in his 12-minute talk this, he said, quote, our city government told us, just give us two weeks to flatten the curve. And this has gone from two weeks to flatten the curve to show me your papers. Wake up. Here is a lesser magistrate who gets it. He gets the magnitude of this evil. Do you? Do you get the magnitude of this evil? I was talking to a man all the way over in New Zealand last evening. Gotta love technology, right? As frustrating as it is here, it's amazing the compliance over there. I was stunned by it all. There's five million people in New Zealand. 99.8% of them, he said, blithely have obeyed everything that has happened he tried to put together a protest in the park a couple weeks ago. He was contacted by the local magistrate, told he would be arrested. His churchmen, the leaders, pastor and elders at his local church, were so distraught, they wrote a letter condemning his actions. He was just going to meet in the park with other people to read the book of Psalms publicly. That was the depth of his protest. 
And the church wrote the letter and told him, after they condemned him for his action and want to bring him under church discipline if he went forward, because they want to make sure they distance themselves from him so that any repercussions don't come on their heads. Meanwhile, they're sitting there, not able to come out of their own houses. One guy, non-Christian, he told me, put together a protest subsequent to his being quashed. You know how many people came to it? The guy putting the protest together. Not one. Not one thought. Now, I'm very Noxian. In other words, if there are no lesser magistrates, the people have the duty themselves to act, to interpose, to stop the evil. Very, Knox defended that position, taught it and defended it. So I'm very Noxian in that way. But here's the situation here. You don't even have people. <laughs> you don't even have people. I told him, I said, you need to strongly consider fleeing. He's already considering fleeing. I said, you need to move to another location. We'll do everything we can here to help you or anyone in New Zealand or Australia who needs help and joining over here to stand against this evil. They've been utterly defeated, both in New Zealand and in Australia. He told me about how Takalau, which is part of New Zealand, the district of New Zealand, has over 3,000 people. Everyone was forced vaccinated. He knew of 15 Christians hiding out in a house of a pastor trying to avoid being vaccinated. He never heard what the outcome was as they were being hunted by the government. He said the word is is that they're going to use what happened there as a trial run for the whole nation. Now, they got plenty of trial runs going on in every nation. They intend to do their evil throughout the whole world. And still the churchmen sleep and surmise and live in their fairyland as though the word of God doesn't speak to every matter of life. Understand how important work is to man. Understand how work for man is part of God's created order. How it is spoken of in his law and word, affirmed by Christ himself and the New Testament apostles. And these brazen tyrant dogs have the audacity to attack that. And try to destroy it from amongst men. Attacking work itself... Many people mistakenly think that work is a curse. Listen to me here. Many people mistakenly think that work is a curse. You know, the guy became a millionaire when he wrote his book, The Four-Day Workweek, because we have a nation full of people who don't want to work and don't realize how good work is for us because they've lost their biblical worldview. They want to sit on their butts and be entertained and live in leisure and ease. Scum that they are. Many people mistakenly think that work is a curse. They think this because of what God said to Adam after the fall, after he and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree. Turn there to chapter 3 of Genesis, verses 17 through 19. And look what it says. This is after they've eaten the fruit. Then to Adam, God said, he, God said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. 
In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Notice here that God does not say here that work is a curse. Did you notice that? It doesn't say work is a curse. Nowhere does he say here work is a curse. Work was cursed, but work itself is not a curse. People mistakenly believe that work is a curse, but work was a part of life for Adam and Eve prior to the fall. Okay, all you young people listening to this, work was a part of life prior to the fall. Every small businessman I know talks about the lack of work ethic of young people. That's why I mentioned the young. And it's many of us old, older people that have taught them to pursue easy living and, e- and wealth and ease. So, work was a part of life for Adam and Eve prior to the fall. They didn't just sit around eating bonbons on the beach and rode horses and petted lions. They didn't just lay around all day harmonizing with nature like you see in some sort of humanist utopia lithograph. How do we know that work was a part of their life? Well, our text. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Starting in verse 8, God describes the garden that was built for man. And it says in verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it, to work it and keep it, or to guard it. God defines the beautiful garden, and then he places man in the garden to do things. Two things, tend it or work it, keep it or guard it. My point is simple, work is not a curse, as God established work prior to the fall. Work in itself is not a curse, but work has been cursed, as is seen in 3, 17 through 19. But notice this. You're still with me now. Notice this. Work has a redemptive and restorative purpose. Work has a restorative and redemptive purpose for us. Notice what it says in verse 17 of chapter 3. Notice it says, Cursed is the ground for your sake. Cursed is the ground for your sake. There's two ways in which the ground has been cursed for our sake. One is restorative and one is redemptive. Work is restorative, number one. Work teaches us diligence. Diligence produces within us discipline and good character. It teaches us how to have order in our lives, to have goals, to not be lazy, but to build and take dominion in the earth. It is restorative. Work is restorative to man. And these dogs want to crush it. Secondly, work is redemptive. Work teaches us the vanity of life, the futility of of this present age in the sense that a man gets up in the morning and looks in the same old mirror to shave his same old face to go down and eat his same old breakfast and then drive down the same old roads to get the same place of, to the same place of employment and do the same old job to eat at the same lunchtime, often in the same lunchroom, only to get back in the same old car to drive down the same old roads, back to the same old house, 
and only to do it all again tomorrow. Hence the clamor for the weekend by most men. But what does all this teach us? What does this repetition teach us? It teaches us that there must be something more to life than what I see with my eyes. That's what it teaches us. And I remember when I was a young man, living in rebellion to God, I knew there had to be more to life than what I saw with my eyes. What, we work a job, 60-some years, get vacation a few weeks each year, do this repetitively day by day. I was in rebellion, smoke some dope, do some drugs, get a girl now and then. We do this for 60-some years and then we're dead. No, there's got to be more to life than that. And when I came to know Jesus Christ, I knew what it was. It's to live to glorify God. And part of the way we glorify God is through our work. It has a redemptive value to it, work does. And though work shows us there must be more to life than what I see with my eyes, though it causes me to look up, it also provides me a means whereby my life has meaning. Understand your work is your calling. Your work is what you do in part to take dominion in the earth and to glorify God in the earth. And they want to take it away. They want you to conform to their mode of work and their thoughts and their tyranny. And you must not allow it. Your work defines you as a man, in part. It gives you your identity as a man, in part. And we are to do our work as unto the Lord, the scriptures teach us. We seek him as to what he would have us to do, and we do it as unto him. Amen? Your work is your calling, it is your vocation, you do it as unto the Lord. Martin Luther put it this way, he said, The shoemaker should craft the soul, S-O-L-E, of the Pope, as religiously as the Pope prays for the soul, S-O-U-L, of the shoemaker. Unquote. Of course, Martin Luther had some other things to say about the Pope later on. But nevertheless, this is truth. He was saying, and he taught, and the scriptures teach, your work is your calling. You glorify God through your work. It is good to labor. It's good for us. If you believe the Lord has put it into your heart for a certain work, you may have to, in fact, you likely will have to, do other work till you are able to do that work. And even that work you're doing to get to the work that you want to do, you should do all that to the glory of Christ too. Do it as unto him. It's a goodness for you. The healthcare givers at our church, banding together with leadership at the church, trying to create medical alternatives, bolstering those that already exist, creating some that may not exist, not sitting by on the side, oh, my job. No, building. Because they want to live to glorify God in their work. Understand that? And what the government and corporations are doing now is all an attack upon God's created order of work for man. And when your job is threatened by tyrants who think they can abridge the created order of God regarding work for man, we should not cry like a baby and say, quote, but I need my job, unquote. Or, quote, how else can I provide for my family, unquote. 
You stand for what is right in defiance of tyranny, and you will see Christ's provision and goodness. That's my answer to you. You stand for what is right in defiance of tyranny, and you will see Christ's provision and goodness to you. You do not cry like a baby and demand others help you get a new job, or you won't stand against the evil. You stand against the evil. It's not my job or anyone else's to hold your hand and help you make each step. Be a part of a church that isn't run by a bunch of non-thinking statists who want you to bow before the tyrant's yoke. Amen? You're standing for what is right, on principle, and it costing you your job could be a great opportunity from Christ. We should not hate our work. As Christians, we must ascertain what God has put in our hearts to excel at, to have interest in, to see accomplished, to desire, and then work towards doing the calling to which the Lord has led us. Instead of losing your job, being seen as some great tragedy, you should see it as new beginnings and possibilities from him. Amen? In all areas of life. Talked about the health care workers in the congregation. All areas of life. All fields of employ and labor. Let me also speak here briefly about state licensure for work. I have long spoken here at Mercy Seat against state state licensure for work. The state has invaded the area of work long before now. They claim it is to protect us, that it is for our safety. And yes, we have seen a lot of control and evil sold to us as safety over the last year and a half, haven't we? They claim it is to protect us, that it's for our safety, but you know what it's really about? Control. And I've said that for decades. It's about control. Occupational licenses are a means of control by the state over the citizens. They are also desired by certain individuals in certain occupations who want to use the coercive arm of the state to squeeze certain people out of their profession and to raise the cost of their services. Now some states have already begun the drumbeat that all state licensed workers must be mandated to get the shot. How surprising. It's about control, always has been. Now let me make some random comments and give some must-dos in the situation we find ourselves. Here they are, and won't be long. If your job is threatened, don't quit. Make them fire you. We already said that. Tell others what they are doing to you. Tell others. Don't just sit in the corner. Tell others what they're doing to you. Withstand them privately and publicly. Do not curl up in a ball and wait for help like some sort of refugee. Seek Christ. Talk with good men. See opportunity. Build in the midst of it all. We are all different. We all have different gifts. Some are simply meant to be laborers, workers, just-get-a-job people. We need to be able to gather and defend them when losing a job through private, not, not the ones who want to lay in the corner and, you know, not those ones. But we must stand and defend them when they lose their job through private discussion and through public demonstration. We also can be a help to them as we build our own businesses. What does it take to start a business? Ever had that conversation with anyone? 
and come to my house, I'll sit down and have that conversation with you. Help numerous of my children start a business. We're blue collar stock, if you wanna develop a 500, Fortune 500 company, don't talk to Matt Joella, okay? <laughs> But I need my precious job mentality bothers me. I bristle when people think they can manipulate me by threatening my work. How could anyone capitulate to them? The very fact that they're trying to threaten me with my job, with my work? Oh, no. We fight. We stand. We know instinctively that is a great evil. We don't capitulate to that. We think outside the box. We take the tyrants to task. We confront them. Confront the tyrants. We confront the evil. I bristle when people think they can manipulate me like that. And it kills me when men curl up in a ball and comply because they don't want to lose their job. I've told my kids, you have to quit thinking I need a job and rather think, how can I make money? How can I establish an income? And we've helped all our children start their own businesses on a shoestring budget. They want you to think you are dependent on them, that you need their little piece of paper known as a diploma to succeed. That right there should be an affront to you. I'm all good with, you know, understanding we need each other and we work together, but not them. I've listened to many of their talks and speeches. You need us. <laughs> you want to be anything in this planet, you need us. You need that little paper. You need to put yourself in tens of thousands of dollars of debt. Be beholden us the rest of your life. So some socialist pig like Biden gets elected and it says, oh, you're all forgiven. Right? I'm good for people working together, but not when you do that. Just the fact that you think I'm dependent on I need you that way? <laughs> Never. Ever. Zero. I will trust Christ. I will work with family. I will work with brothers and sisters in Christ. My sons will tell you, at least 50% of the people who made it big in business never went to college at all. They went into business. Over 65% of people who get their little piece of paper never use what they got that piece of paper for to make money the rest of their lives. It's such a great idea. And yet every politician, I'm for education. Oh, man, I, I'll keep that idol up. I'll put more money into it because that's worked so well. They are hemming you into their system. They have you in their system, and it's your own weakness and lack of faith and trust in Christ that has entrapped you in their system. This past week, a young man who was fired for not wearing a mask in our congregation, and I bristled. <laughs> I bristled. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So if it's okay with you, I want to talk to the person who fired you, and I want to pursue this. And he was good with it. And I did call him. And I could tell the guy on the other end of the phone when he heard that Pastor Matt, a pastor? Yeah, you fired a young man who's part of our congregation for not wearing a mask. Uh, 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 uh. He's never gotten a call like that in his life. <laughs> so he immediately, I'm the only one in today, uh, and I got another call. I'll get right back to you. <laughs> Several minutes later, he gets back on the phone. 
And yeah, we had quite the talk. This is a conscientious young man who works hard. And he does so because he's a Christian. And you want to remove the very thing from him that makes him a good worker. That makes him a good employee. I told him, I said, what are you even thinking? I said, I demand to know right now. What is your policy? Why are you doing it? Is it because lawyers told you you have to do it? Is it because insurance companies told you you had to mask everybody? He goes, well, actually, I don't know. I said, well, yeah, you know what? If you're the one firing people, that might be something you want to know. (laughs) But the reason he hasn't is because no one else called him on it before. So then he gave me the big dark hole. That's called a 1-800 number. That's where they tell you to call the 1-800 number. That thing's a big, vacuous, deep, bottomless pit to nowhere. And that's how these corporations operate. No accountability, no personal accountability. They all hide behind each other. It's like, who's really in charge? Oh, the policy of this big, I don't know. You can't find the person. You can't wring their neck. (laughs) You can't do anything. It's maddening. My personal commitment to you as a pastor is I'll fight for you as your pastor. I can't be there for every confrontation. Simply can't. Timing is part of that. People contact me from across the country. I can't make that commitment to everybody across the country. Especially the way this thing is burning down. Every time I turn my head, there's someone else being abused by their corporation or business or government officials. But someone will rally to you. Someone will. If you own a business, you must resist the evil of the tyrants. Remember I big on saying the churches should have stayed open because it would have helped the businessmen who were in a way worse situation than we were as churchmen? Remember that? I'm big on that. But here, I'm also big on this now. But every business should defy and stay open also. They should not follow these health Nazis. They should not follow their edicts. They should defy. They should stay open so the people can rally to them and defend them publicly and openly and also privately and personally. When you defy, men have someone to rally to. If all comply, there is no one to rally to. For the rest of you, you must... Rally to businessmen who do right, and you must confront businessmen and corporations that do wrong, and that's very important. Rally to the ones who do right. Confront those who do wrong. That's a long list. The first one's very short. When it comes to work, we do need each other. It's called the division of labor. Robert Bro's big on the division of labor. If you don't know what I'm talking about, he'll give you a crash course. We all cannot do the same thing. We do different things. We are dependent upon one another in this way. And the wicked men are depending on this very fact in order to get their tyranny imposed. Because of the interconnectedness through work, they feel that they will accomplish it. Not in 90 days, but maybe in three years. They'll have you by the throat, everyone. The wicked men are depending on this fact, our interconnectedness regarding work and the division of labor, in order to get their tyranny imposed. And it is precisely this fact that leads us to conclude that we are dependent upon one another and must coalesce with others 
do business with others who stand in defiance of tyranny and who stand resolute for freedom. That's what we must do. I've had many young people ask me, how do I live as a young person when there's so much uncertainty? And man, I know exactly what you're saying. When I was growing up, got married to Claire in the early 80s, massive recession in the country. There was 35% plus unemployment in Detroit where we lived. There was over 50% in Flint, which was an hour away over there in Michigan. So much uncertainty. How do I live? And here's my advice to you, and it's not all that profound. You live as normally as a young man or woman or couple or family should, knowing you can lose it all. You got no crystal ball. You're not going to make all. Money is not the be-all and end-all of life. That's what I'm saying to you. And there's many who went before you, young people, who followed all the rules, played the game. Oh, man, they followed it perfectly and didn't get nothing. Pension funds, gone. And they're old people now. You're not the first who's encountered uncertain times. But live as normally as a young man or woman or couple or family can, knowing you can lose it all. Understand if you use these false cards, which is all going to digitalization anyway, if you use these false vaccine passport cards, which isn't as much an issue here as it's already become in other areas of the country, and the people are using them already, including going to school, using them to get into universities, I want you to know that you are aiding and abetting the tyrants who want everyone using them. I am thoroughly against them. You confront the evil. Some people have already been caught. Okay, that's wonderful. Now you got a charge of a crime against you on top of it. If you go along with it, if you try to use these false cards, what you're doing is, is sacrificing Exactly what I said at the beginning, which I can't even remember what I said, but it was really good. (laughs) You are selling tomorrow's freedom for today's convenience. You are helping them get everybody to believe, look, everybody's going along with the vaccine passport. That is the dumbest thing you can do. You must speak against it. You must act against it. And you must coalesce with men and women who are in defiance of it. Massively important, and it's extremely important in the midst of such situations that we as Christian men bring Christian thought to these matters. Like, you know me, I have no problem about, you know, yeah, you, I've done sermons. It's okay to lie sometimes. <gasps> did Pastor Matt say Yeah, he did say that. You know why? Because the scriptures make it clear it is okay. It's okay to deceive at times. Okay. But I'm telling you, in this situation, don't do it. In this situation, confront it. Stand against it. Or you're going to help aid and abet it. There's been many silver linings in this whole evil. You always see God at work. Some people think, well, God's at work. So I don't have to stand against the evil. No, God's going to use things for good, even in the midst of the evil, but you still must confront the evil. We acknowledge this judgment is just, that we're deserving of it as a nation, 
but we still stand against the evil while we call men to repentance, amen, and faith in Christ. So many silver linings, name a few. More people homeschooling or private schooling than ever. That's a silver lining. Not, people are no longer looking to Washington for their every four-year dopey thing of the new president, the new Supreme Court judge. Hallelujah. That is a silver lining. They're getting involved in local and county politics like never before. They're understanding that even their state government is often at war with them, not just the federal government. Christians and others are building medical alternatives and alternatives built by Christians in many areas and fields of employment. Many have left their lukewarm, pathetic churches who went along with all this and sat silent. 10 to 15% have left their status little churches. Praise God. That's a silver lining in the midst of it all. They've coalesced with other brothers and sisters who truly love Christ, stand for freedom, and don't want to embrace tyranny under the faulty interpretation of Romans 13. Some have come to know the Lord. I know this personally. People have come to the Lord, and others have deepened their walk with him. And here's another. Mothers are staying home with their children. Families are reorganizing their lives to do that as moms are losing their jobs. Let's stand up. We'll close in a word of prayer. Hallelujah, Father. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness to us. We thank you that in the midst of all the evil, we can see you working in the lives of men. Lord, we see opportunity to do right by you in the earth, knowing that your law and word does speak to all matters of life, including the matters of work. And Lord, we just ask and pray that you use those who are coalescing to build. Give them your favor. Give them your strength. Lord, we ask and pray that you keep our hearts hungry for you. Every day, this evil is unleashed through a million news stories. And then we hear a private story of someone we know who's capitulated can be a heaviness to the heart, O oh God. Lord, I just ask and pray that we would do right by you, that we would see that you do speak to all areas of life, that we would apply your law and word to all areas of our life and work to see it applied to every area of life. We rejoice in you, O oh God, for your goodness to us. Bless this upcoming meeting over in Cincinnati, the county before country. Use it for good. May that thinking spread across the nation, I pray, O oh Lord. Lord, we rejoice in you and praise you that you have redeemed us, that our lives matter, that we live to bring glory to you. Lord, may we bring glory to you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise his name. You could be seated.